SEC fans, this is John Christ, senior writer for Saturday Down South. Welcome to another installment of the SDS podcast. Coming to you from the iHeartMedia studio, WDAE in Tampa, Florida, 620 AM and 95.3 FM. You can follow me on Twitter at SaturdayJC. Our guest for this episode is former Alabama linebacker Nico Johnson. He won three national championships in his four seasons with the Crimson Tide. Then he was a fourth-round draft pick of the Kansas City Chiefs. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Johnson35Boy. Nico, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, man. Thank you all for having me. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. If you're listening to this podcast, then you know the South loves football. You know what the South also loves? Crystal Burgers. That's right. Crystal, home of the classic Crystal Burger, is a Saturday Down South podcast sponsor this year. And we are ready to hook you up for your tailgate. First, the classic Crystal, the one you grew up with, the one you enjoyed in college way after midnight. It is still only 79 cents all day, every day, as many as you want. 79 cents a pop. Crystal is also taking care of our podcast listeners and website readers this fall. Text SDS, that's the letters SDS, to 37793 right now. 37793, and you're going to get two free crystals and a drink. Free crystals, 79-cent crystals. I guarantee if you show up to your tailgate with a steamer pack of crystals, you're going to be treated like the hero that you are. Stop by your local crystal today. And now, Nico Johnson. Nico, I always like to say that the only guarantees in life are death, taxes, and the Bama defense. And this season so far seems to be no different. Am I right? You're, uh, you're right so far, man. They're, they're playing well. Uh, but you know how it is with Coach Saban. Uh, he's always going to have his guys with the mindset of knowing that uh, – no matter how good or bad things are going, they, they understand they got room for improvement. So that's that's the scary bit, the scary part about it. Terrifying if you're another one of those 13 programs in the SEC. I want to start off with some real fun stuff right away just to break the ice. Take me back to your collegiate career. The hardest you ever hit a guy. I mean, I'm talking to a linebacker here. That's I mean, that's that's the language you speak. Tell me the play. Tell me the player. Tell me what you remember. The hardest you ever hit a guy in your college career. Uh, hardest I ever hit a guy was uh, probably Randall Cobb's man. Uh, back when my freshman year, we played Kentucky in Kentucky. Um, it was on a kickoff on a special teams play, and uh, he was coming across the field. He didn't see me, and uh, I, I hit him pretty hard. Um, I hit him pretty hard. Um, I have to say that's probably – I hit guys uh, pretty hard throughout my, my collegiate career, but uh, that's the one that probably stands out the most uh, to me than the rest of them. All right, let's flip the script a little bit. The hardest that you've ever been hit. I know the linebackers don't like to talk about this particular <laughs> thing, but maybe there was a crackback from a tight end on a, on a counter, or, or maybe you were on a coverage unit and you got blindsided by somebody. Come on, just you know, strip it down here. Uh, when did you get de-cleated? Uh, it was 2012, my senior year, actually. Uh, we're playing LSU, and it's probably the first, uh, the third play of the game, and they threw a quick out route to Jarvis Landry, and I'm running to the ball, being really 
not not paying attention. Honestly, I don't know why. And Odell like comes back and cracks. You can uh, you can see it online uh, everywhere on YouTube. And he comes back and depletes me. And I, I played it cool. Didn't get up, say nothing to him. Went back to the huddle. But uh, when I got to New York, he picked on me about that. Uh, it, it was it's all fun and games, but at the time, I mean, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't know who did it uh, at the time until years later. But uh, he hit he hit me pretty hard. You know, if you ever get time, pull it up on YouTube. Uh, I left my feet. You know, small as he are, big as big as I am, uh, he he gave me a good shot. But I, I tried to downplay it. <laughs> Well, luckily, those are a couple of big-name players. Randall Cobb with the Packers and right. uh, Odell Beckham with the Giants. It, it, at least it wasn't some scrub, you know, walk-on punter or something like that, right? Right. Oh, man, that would have been bad. That would have been bad. <laughs> so you already referenced Coach Saban, and you played there from 2009 to 2012 when he was really getting things going. Your on-field success, team success, is really unmatched by just about anybody I can think of. But tell me about the system you played in then versus the system you watch on television today. I know there's a lot of moving parts, but if you had an extra year of eligibility, could you be dropped in there right now on the weak side and feel like you've got it under control? Or there's so many moving parts, and this is very superflu- uh, superfluous, and it just sort of changes from year to year, and it's very different from maybe what you played in four or five years ago. Um, it, it's, it's a lot different. Um, I, I think I could still do it. Um, I think what makes Coach Saban so great, man, you know, uh, different than other coaches, he's able to uh, change when the uh, change when the game is changing. Um, a lot of people didn't realize or, or don't realize Coach Saban, he really, really loves to stay a couple steps ahead of everything. Um, and I think uh, after my sophomore, year, after my junior year. Uh, that's when he started putting in work of getting the right coordinator in or, or getting uh, different recruits in because he knew the game was changing. The game was getting away. Even though we still run the ball a, a lot, um, I, I think he knew the game was becoming a more passing. And um, I think I could still do it. I don't think it would be a problem just because of the coach Coach Saban is. He holds you to a standard, and it's either you're going to do it his way or you won't play. So, I know I won't have a choice but to get it done, man, to, in order to be on the field, man. So uh, I think I could do it, but Coach Saban does a great job of staying at, uh, ahead of, you know, uh, a lot of other teams because he's able to see uh, that the game uh, has changed, especially back then. Uh, that's why he brought in a guy like Lane Kiffin. Everybody, when they when he hired Lane Kiffin, everybody's like, man, that's kind of weird. Why would he hire him? It's because the game was changing. The game was changing. He knew that. Um, so, so yeah, but I, I think I could, I think I'll be able to do it. So I've got an interesting question I want to ask off of that. You talk about the way that Coach Saban's defense, when you got there as a freshman in 09, maybe not the same defense you left in 2012 before you went off to the league. Spin that to, say, in LSU. You know, one of your toughest rivals. You had some incredible battles with them. You played them five times in your four-year career, including a rematch in the national championship game. And one of the criticisms of Coach Miles who was relieved of his duties in the middle of last year was that he was sort of stuck in the mud and he had his system and he didn't change with the times. So when you played this LSU offense as a freshman in 09, playing them twice in 2011, and then again in 2012, when you just sort of had their number, 
Could you see it on tape? Could you see it on film? This is the same offense with different players, and you pretty much know what to expect before you even show up on Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's, you, you said it there. Um, and that's exactly what it was, man. It it became one of those games that uh, the everything goes out of the window because, I mean, they were so vanilla. Uh, nothing against Coach Miles or, or LSU back then. I mean, it's just they were so vanilla. Even in the national championship game, after playing them in 2011 in the so-called game of the century, uh, we thought and you know, we, we prepared for the unexpected. Um, and, you know, that I think the first game they hurt us a lot, even though they didn't score, they hurt us a lot on, on, on speed options with Jefferson. Well, we prepared for that, and they didn't run much of that in, in the national championship game. And then uh, the, the following year, it was, it was pretty much less. I think they tried to pass the ball a little bit more, but it just it didn't work, man. It, it was weird, but that's what I say. Uh, go back to uh, revert back to Coach Saban is able to adapt to the system or the new the new change. And like you said, Coach Miles, he was just stuck in his ways. And just being honest, it kind of cost him his job. Um, so I, I just think it's one of those things, man. If you're going to be a coach, you got to be able to adapt to what's going on around you uh, to put you, yourself or your team in, in a better position to win. Uh, football games, and I, I don't think uh, Coach Miles did a great job at that. I think looking back, I would change a lot, but uh, they were so vanilla, man. You run, uh, lead here, lead there, uh, probably throw an out route here, but that was it, man. It was so simple, and it made it, our jobs easy, man, because we didn't have to think much. You know, when we see a certain formation, we knew what was coming off bad, and it just made it easier for us. So what is it about the run defense in particular in Tuscaloosa? I mean, the pass defense has been sort of up and down over the years, depending on season to season, but the run defense, that's just it. You don't run on this team. Almost more often than not, Coach Saban has had the number one rushing defense in the entire country, despite some scheme changes and, of course, the players changing from year to year, the competition changing from year to year. What is it about the run defense in particular? Is it just the way that you scheme? Is it you guys watching more film than anybody else? Is it just you have better gap discipline? I mean, what can you put your finger on, the run defense in particular? It's one of those things where um, it's a pride thing for, uh, especially the front seven. It's a pride thing. And it starts in practice, man. Uh, we, I'm sure your system's still the same. Every time we go to period four, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we go to period four, it's team run. So that's the competitive time of practice, offense against defense. And, you know, like I said, it goes back to we as a defensive, defensive group, we never want to lose against offense. We just never wanted to. So, you know, going against guys like Mark Ingham, Trent Richardson, uh, Eddie Lacey, and all those guys, Barry Jones, Chance Wormack, you know, when you go against them every day, and you, I hate to say it, whoops their butt every day, it only makes you better. It makes the defense better and then it makes the offense better. So it's kind of a pride thing. And as far as the scheme, we always, you know, one of the rules, especially when Coach Smart was there, and I'm sure Coach Bruce got the same same uh, rules and goals, uh, if we make our offense one-dimensional and take away the, the run, uh, it, it helps the defense out. It makes it so much easier on the back end. So that's kind of one of those things and, and one of those goals going into each and, each and every every game is make the team one-dimensional, force them to pass the football, 
And if you could do that most of the time, you know, we come out on a winning end. So that's kind of the mindset um, that uh, <laughs> that we have. And then, too, man, we we we're, we we play a, a, a practice a physical game, especially back then. We practice a physical game. So when we get in the game, um, it's one of those things we just want to make the guy across from us quit. We want to win those one-on-one battles, man. So it's kind of – it's kind of a pride thing when it comes to stopping the run, man. It, it really is. So sometimes I watch Coach Saban's defense over the year, and I think it's a 40-front, you know, 4-3 scheme. And then sometimes I think it's, you know, a 30-front, 3-4 scheme. And obviously defenses are so much more multiple than they were even five or ten years ago. And that sort of translates going from college to the league as well. You know, it wasn't that long ago, even when you were coming out, where – it made a difference. Are you a 3-4 guy or are you a 4-3 guy? You know, if you're a will in this scheme, maybe you're not best suited to be a 3-4 outside backer because you have to rush the passer and and the responsibilities are a little bit different. But the way defense is played now, and it's so multiple and with sub packages taking over, you play two-thirds of the game in nickel these days. That's 4-3 versus 4-3. I'm sorry, 4-3 versus 3-4. Is it even really that important anymore? Um. I, I can't speak for other programs, but I know at Bama, um, you know, it, it, it was very important for us players. Uh, Coach Saban installed this into into our minds that we need to learn uh, what everybody's doing on the field, whether it's a, a D lineman knowing what a cornerback is doing or, or a defensive end knowing what a cornerback is doing or a linebacker knowing what everybody's doing. Um, because at the end of the day, we, we used to – uh, how can I put it? When the offense used to check, you'll see a lot of it on old uh, film and probably sometimes now with Coach Pruitt where the offense check, you have the guys looking to the sideline. It was kind of like a chess match. And we always wanted to win that chess match going in, uh, coming out of the game. Uh, so when they check, we used to check. So And it's just on, you know, Coach Saban, we and Coach Smart has so many different plays and so many different blitzes. Uh, we was able to throw anything at offense, and that's what made us so good because our offense or quarterback could never get a beat on us because when they was changing something, we was changing something. It's kind of just we was counting everything, and uh, you could go from playing uh, Will Backer to Sam Backer just on a motion. So you always had to know uh, what everybody was doing because you could have been in a different spot and uh, have a different job just on a certain play throughout the game, man. So it, I, at with Saban, man, it made it easier for us, you know, because if you're able to go from a 3-4 to a 4-3 just on a, a, a cadence or a motion or, or, or whatever, uh, it makes it so much uh, better for you because now you're, you're able to make those changes uh, throughout the game. And, I mean, it, it, just, it was a positive for us. So <laughs> we was happy that he ran it that way. I get a lot of questions all the time. You know, what did we run uh, at Bama? Uh, our base was uh, a 4-3 or 3-4. It's kind of both, man. We we kind of ran both of them uh, a lot, very uh, well. So it was it was pretty fun, man, to, to be able to do that. And then when we got to the rookie, it was kind of the same thing. So it, it wasn't no difference. Now, a lot of elementary football fans, they've heard offensive play calls in the huddle where, you know, a quarterback is mic'd up or you're watching NFL films or something like that, but you don't get a whole lot of that on defense. So give me an example of a defensive play call in the huddle at Bama. So give me just a random example where you're dropping into coverage and maybe your responsibility is the back, you know, maybe in the flat or something like that. Oh man. Let me 
see one play that I can remember that just always blew everybody's mind. It was called uh, base eight base eight loaded core uh, zoller bop, and uh, it, it, it had so put it this way: all our calls, no matter if it was just uh, in a nickel package, we had a call called flex six bump bronco. Uh, they always had at least two or three checks in them, just in case if the offense go this, offense go that, we were able to respond and get out of it and put ourselves in a better uh, position to make a play or, or help everybody else out pretty much. Um, so the pressure was always on the linebackers. Um, so I would say one of the, the different difficult calls was basically low to core uh, zone alert bump. Um, but it's, you know, you got, you get into the offense world, they got a call or all their calls are just crazy long. <laughs> it, 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 it's weird, man. But at, at Bama, man, it was, um, uh, it was, it was kind of simple. Uh, it took it, it takes you, man. I, I I don't think people really uh, give those guys, man, especially now the credit as far as on the defense side of the ball because it takes you two to three years to get comfortable in Coach Saban's system, man, because he has so many different calls uh, for so many different formations, so many different plays. So it's 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 unreal, man. He's sitting here just telling you uh, uh, about certain things. It irritated me all year, man, because. It, I think um, when I left and went to the NFL um, and talked to different guys from different schools and you know defensive guys, and was telling me how small the playbook was. I, was man, I wish our playbook could have been that small. I was just like the the offensive guys. I we had that big, big uh, binder with everything in it, man. So it, it's it, it was different. <laughs> it was different. You're listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Our guest is former Alabama linebacker Nico Johnson. And if you're listening to the SDS podcast, we are brought to you by Ticket City. College football is here, and there are some magnificent matchups this week in the SEC. Auburn, Texas A&M, Florida, Missouri, South Carolina, Georgia, Old Miss, Kentucky, and the headliner, Nico's old school, LSU and Alabama. Now's the time to get your tickets. We've been working with Ticket City for a long time. They are the experts in the business, having served over a million and a half customers. They've been the place to go for about 30 years now. And best of all, Ticket City is offering $20 off for Saturday Down South podcast readers and listeners. All you need to do is go to TicketCity.com and enter the discount code SDS20 at checkout and you're going to get $20 off the game of your choice. That's TicketCity.com, discount code SDS20. Get off the couch, go to the game, visit Ticket City today. All right, Nico, we've talked on and off a little bit about your NFL career, but you were drafted by the Chiefs, a fourth rounder, only spent one year with the organization, spent some time with the Bengals, the Redskins, the Giants, I apologize for putting it somewhat bluntly, but why did your NFL career probably not go as you anticipated when you came out of Tuscaloosa and got to the league? Um, you know, when I first came, uh, when I first got to Kansas City, um, it was one of those situations, man, I was so eager to prove people wrong. Um, I want to show the world or, or uh, the NFL uh, or football side of the world uh, that I had more to bring to the table and um, I got hurt that was frustrating uh, my first time really missing football I, at that time I've never missed football man so I kind of got off got, got caught up in the, the wrong mindset um, just mentally uh, honestly I was pointing fingers 
Um, he, uh, I, I'll go back and watch film now, man. I'm like, dang, man, I wasn't playing my best ball. I see why they made this decision. It was just, it's just kind of one of those situations. I just didn't take advantage of the opportunity, man. I got caught up in, you know, me being injured, um, uh, and just kind of started pointing fingers, man. That's really what it was, man. And because uh, when I got back from my injury, I wasn't on the field. It was just it, my rookie year was very, very uh, a long year. Um, so it was, it was frustrating. Then when I got to Cincinnati, man, it was kind of a little bit better. Uh, Coach Marvin Lewis and all those guys, Ray Malou, Devontae Burke, man, and just playing my best ball there, man. It, it just uh, just kind of got up, got caught up in, you know, some places I got caught up in a uh, numbers game. Um, it's just my injuries, man. And when I was in New York recently, um, I was playing my best ball. Um, it's crazy, man. I, I was there for a year. Then I signed a two-year extension. And then I, I had surgery, meniscus surgery. And within four or five months later, I had a CL surgery, man. So it, it was kind of uh, kind of both um, me mentally and then the injuries kind of got me, man. It's just uh, that's why I recently retired, man, because mentally – Physically, I just couldn't take it no more, man. My body was too beat up. Uh, trying to get up and get my body going year in and year out, man, is very tough. Yeah, I saw your announcement made official fairly recently, as a matter of fact. Um, you know what? When that creeps into your mind, you know, are you thinking about retirement even while you're playing? I mean, did thoughts of retirement happen two or three years ago? Or is it the type of thing where the very first time that thought creeps into your head that's time, that's it, it's time to cut cord and move on with your life? Well, it, it, it crossed my mind a few years ago um, when I was in uh, Washington. But at the same time, I'm a competitor. Uh, I'm always going to try to compete to, to get back, uh, no matter how my body feels, or no matter how the situation is going. I'm always going to work my butt off to try to uh, go earn whatever is given and uh, it, it, you can say that, but at the same time, man, it was, it was one of those situations where, man, I, I just uh, I wasn't happy. Um, I, I stepped back and, and analyzed everything. I just wasn't happy. Um, and that's, that's probably the first time ever, man. I've been playing football for 22 years, and I've always been happy playing the game. And uh, just, you know, recently I just wasn't happy, man. Um, I wasn't having a body. Just wasn't responding like I wanted to, um, so I, I just said, "Man, it, it, it's time, man. Um, it's time." So, because <laughs> uh, when when I'm not happy uh, and, and enjoying the game, uh, and then I have to think about all the different things to play the game, uh, it, it, it just wasn't for me anymore. So, and I, I I'm gonna miss it, of course, but at the same time, man, my happiness is more important than than anything. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, then let's move on to some happier questions. How about that? Uh, the NFL player, teammate or opponent, one, give me an NFL guy who flat out took your breath away, how big he was, how strong he was, the way he could catch the ball, the way he could make people miss. Just one guy who said, wow, I never realized how good he was. Um, I think it's one of those uh, – I think it's Le'Veon Bell. Um, when you see him on TV – uh, running the football, and I played against him a couple times when I was in Cincinnati. Uh, when you see him on TV, uh, you're just like, oh, man, he's, he's really patient, you know, uh, this and this and that. The typical Le'Veon Bell. But it's almost like he's not running that hard. You're right. Yeah, yeah. and when you see him in person and you play against him, it's even difficult because you're playing completely full speed, 
and he's so patient, man. It's just, you know, just seeing that, you know, going on and off the field in different packages and stuff against him and being able to sit back and, like, watch this guy uh, be so patient and still so effective, it was unreal, man. It, it really was. It was unreal. Um, he's probably one of those guys who just took my breath away. And then I'd say Derek Johnson, man. To be his age, um, and he's able to, he's been able to do things and fight back injuries and, and do things on the field that you wouldn't think he'll be able to. He's not one of the biggest guys uh, as far as the inside linebacker, but he, he gets the job done, man. He he used to make so many breathtaking plays that he's just like, man, how do you do that? And I'm one of those guys, I, I really pay attention to my bets. So if it's something I can take from their game to add to mine, uh, I'll try to do that, but he was one of those guys. You just—he just was a freak athlete, you know. He—he he just made plays. You're like, I don't even know how he made it. I'm not even gonna try to add that to my game, man. So those two guys, man, probably the two. Well, let me ask you a sort of a similar question. I covered the NFL for about eight or nine years, so I'm well aware of how the league works. That's what I was doing before I started covering the SEC. There are some guys in practice who are just garbage. They're not good practice players. Then you get them out there on Sunday, and they just dominate. And sometimes you have the reverse. You'll have guys out there in practice, you know, whether it's, you know, Skelly or whether it's, you know, full team work, and they're just they're destroying people, and it just doesn't translate to game day. So maybe rack your brain and try to come up with one or the other, or maybe an example of both. A guy who was incredible on the practice field, you didn't quite see it on Sunday, or a guy who maybe who kind of went through the motions during the week, and then on Sunday, he was an all-pro. Um, it's kind of, man, like you said, you covered me with all these players. It's, it's kind of hard to uh, to pick and choose because it, the practice in the NFL is so easy nowadays. Uh, the game is easy also. Um, but I have to say, man, you you have um, – I can't even think any, man. I, I know players that, you know, would come to camp and say, uh, I remember back then, it was uh, just to be honest, um, I think before my rookie year, Justin Houston, uh, he works his butt off in the offseason. Don't get me wrong. But um, him and Tomaha Lee, you know, they would never, uh, they would never just go balls out uh, in the offseason. And then they'll come into camp and kind of just do a do uh, enough just to get the job done. And you just wonder, like, these guys, man, like, you know, they're not – you know, I know they're better than this, but then when they get in the game, it's just a completely different beast. Like, when that first week, that season come around, it's a completely different beast. And you saw it. You know, some guys just coast um, uh, up all the way up to that regular season game, man, and then get in the game and it's just, just monster. But then, like you said – you got some guys, especially when I was in Cincinnati, that uh, just, you know, go out and ball out at, at practice, catching one-hand catches and blowing people up at, on, on the defense side of the ball. But then you get in the game, it's like, dang, man, you, you didn't apply. Like, where are you? So it's, it's – and that's when uh, a lot of issues come with those type players because you, as a teammate, you see that. And you get frustrated when, you know, he go out and, and miss an easy ball or go out and miss an easy tackle. But, I mean, you guys have to like the league, man. So, it, it, it's it's hard to try to, you know, pick and point. But you, it, it's, unless you're just there, 
Uh, it's very difficult, but uh, you got it. You got it, and it's bad, man. It's sad to say you got it. <laughs> now, there's a theory that's not a popular one with the Tuscaloosa crowd. Uh, and again, I, I've been to the NFL Combine a lot. I've been to the Senior Bowl a lot. I've been to the NFL Draft a lot. So I'm well-versed in that part of the game. But there's a theory that Alabama players are maxed out under Coach Saban. They get so big and so fast and so strong that by the time they make the jump to Sunday football, there isn't a whole lot of room to get better. And despite all the All-Americans and all the Heisman Trophy winners and all the national championships, there aren't really a ton of of superstar Crimson Tiders in the NFL. Of course, you have your Julio Joneses and guys like that, but there's a lot of guys who are incredible on Saturday, and it didn't quite work out as some had anticipated on Sunday. Do you buy into that theory at all? Because there's a lot of talent evaluators out there who will say, I don't know if I want the Alabama guy. How much better is he going to be? He's the best he's ever going to be at football at 21 years old. Well, I think it's one of those uh, the, the the mindset is changing because that's uh, I don't know if you remember when you know that was first brought I think a scout or something told Coach Saban that and he got really really pissed about it. Of course he did. And uh, I think he self evaluated himself. And uh, I think uh, back then, of course, when I first got there, it was a little bit more smash mouth football. Um, I think now he's doing a better job than Coach Cochran taking care of the guys. Because I know when I came out of there, we had guys like uh, we had probably ten to twelve guys in the sports area. Uh, lower abdominal uh, uh, injuries, uh, including myself. So it's one of those situations. You're right. I mean, you, you feel maxed out, but at the same time, it's it's really no excuse because if, if you've been playing this game this long to get to this point, and you just I mean, it's kind of like a uh, mental game that you gotta, uh, you gotta step away. You probably, if you don't need to, take at least a, a month off or a month and a half off just to get yourself back. That's probably what what you need to do because a lot of times, I remember after we played the national championship game, I went from national championship game to you know seeing the doctor and practicing the senior bowl, and then after that, it was having surgery. And then after, you know, going through a tense uh, rehab, I'm practicing, you know. So it was just nonstop. It was nonstop. And then, you know, when you're at Bama, you lift, lift year-round. Um, so it, 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 it takes a toll on you. It takes a toll on you because you got to think about this. You've got all these five-star guys, five-star, four-star guys. If you don't, don't get it done day in and day out, you can easily replace so if you're not giving your, uh, I wouldn't say to take a day off, but if you're not giving your 110% all day, every day, it's, I mean, <laughs> you're not going to be on the field. So it's one of those situations where, uh, just like the NFL, not not to say Alabama is just like the NFL, uh, you got, you're replaceable. So it's either you've got to do your job or you won't be on the field. So that's the back of your mind. So it's one of those things you just, and to the standard too, man. Standard put a lot of pressure on guys year in and year out, especially when you win in here and win a championship here, win a championship there. So you're gonna you you're gonna want to give that uh, that that effort every day to 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 live up to the standard and the hype. So um, it, it's it's one of those difficult things, man. It's, it's it's a crazy theory, but it's it's something that uh, nobody wants to talk about. It's somebody that nobody wants to talk about, and I'm pretty sure it's been addressed. Uh, but at the same time. Um, 
I, I put it back on the players, man, because if you've been playing the game this long, uh, it, I mean, what's going to hurt you to just to wrap up? I mean, and then, too, man, uh, when I left Bama, uh, going to the NFL was actually easier. You know, practice was easier, of course. The games wasn't, you know, it was from a scheme scheme side, it was easier, but as far as your speed, is a little bit faster, so it's really no excuse, man. There's no excuse that can be made. These these guys just got to go out and, and perform. They got to go out and perform, that's all. Nico, uh, they would Last question for you. No, it's okay. Uh, last question for you here. That's really fantastic insight, and I appreciate it. But you just announced your uh, retirement officially. You're, you're 27 years old. You said you've been playing football 22 years, and this is basically all you know. You've retired from your initial profession at the age of 27. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? I can't wait to hear. Uh, then I, I went back and forth this past year, kind of up and down with it. Um, and I, I've always, you know, told myself I want to do something that um, that I can that I can get that same passion, something that I can connect with, and something that uh, that I can relate to. So, man, I, I kind of, you know, people used to tell me, man, you'll make a great coach one, great coach one day, and I was like, nah, I won't be a coach. I don't have the patience. I'm a patient guy, but I just don't have the patience. Well, now just sitting back and thinking, man, that's that's the only thing I feel like that I could have that passion for, that drive for to get better every day. Um, and still have that same kind of, you know, somebody's holding me responsible, just like, you know, when having teammates and whatnot. So um, I'm probably going to uh, look into coaching at the collegiate level. So, man, that's that's probably what I'm going to try to start, man. Uh, I want to be able to be a coach one day. Nico, thank you so much for joining me. I wish you the best of luck and hope I can do this again soon, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. Absolutely. That was former Alabama linebacker Nico Johnson. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Johnson35Boy. And thank you for listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Special thanks to our friends at WDAE in Tampa, as well as our sponsors, Crystal and Ticket City. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever your favorite podcast can be found. Be sure to give the show a rating as well. My name is John Christ, and for all SEC all the time, visit SaturdayDownSouth.com.